0: The title of this morning's message is Wake Up, and that's wake up with an exclamation point. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And that knowing the time, it is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day... And not rioting and drunkenness, and not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. For this morning's messages, I'm going to, or today's messages, I'm going to uh, split this passage into two parts. And tonight, I want to bring a message titled "Make Not Provision to the Flesh." But this morning's message comes really from verses uh, 11 and 12 concerning the fact that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. Verse 11 says, and that knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep. Now consider who Paul is writing to. He's not writing to a bunch of lost people. He's writing to the saints in, in Rome, and he's telling the saints in Rome It's time to wake up. It's time to awake out of sleep. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And he says, we'll look at this too in a moment. It is high time to awake. As we consider the time that it is to awake, when we think about it from the secular sense, let's say we've been sleeping and we just so happen to wake up and see light coming through the windows. Now, in the summertime here, it varies a lot in this part of the world when it is time to wake up based on the light. Uh, usually we rely on our, on our alarm clocks. But this time of the year, it's pretty accurate. I've been getting up right about when the sky begins to get light. I like to get up about 530 or 6. And uh, oh, But we can tell it's time to get up. The sun is not up. And I want you to think about this concerning your life and what this can picture. The sun is not up, but the sky is just beginning to light. We most of the time say that that is still technically nighttime. Uh, A lot of times that's too early in the the day to be getting up. At least my wife especially thinks so. Um, (laughs) But a lot of people don't ever even see a sun rise. And so in their mind, it's still nighttime. But that light in the sky is an indication that it is time to awake. As we consider this in our passage, it says the day of our salvation is nearer than when we believed. So clearly the instruction to awake is for those who have already believed. Now as we think about this, the day of our salvation is nearer than when we believe. Now don't most of us, when we refer to When we believed, don't we call that the day that I was saved? I was saved in 2001. I can tell you about the day I was saved. I can tell you about what led up to the day I was saved. And a lot of times we think of that as the day of our salvation. I was lost, I was living for self, and then I was spiritually made alive, and I was saved, I was born again. But in this passage it says that the day of our salvation is nearer than when we believed. And so this need for us to wake up he's writing to save people and he's telling save people to wake up. We are saved upon believing. We have eternal life. I'm not discounting the fact that we are saved when we believed. We were saved. We have eternal life when we believe. In fact, I've related it to you before, I think, but I was talking to a couple chaplains one time, and one was a Lutheran, and one was another uh, former Protestant. And uh, they believed that you could lose your salvation. And I was, as we were, got done with the religious service, it was at a prison, and we were walking back over to the main buildings. And I just told them, I said, well, I don't know what kind of salvation you have, right. but when I would say, I have eternal life. Yes. That's the kind of salvation we have is eternal life and eternal life is eternal life. It's like brother Kilgard said during Sunday school when he promised that I will send you the comforter and he will not leave you and I will be with you and I will be in you and, and the promise of the comforter is for forever. Well, salvation is forever. And so I have a day of salvation. I have a day when I was saved and I'm not ever going to lose my salvation, but this is saying that, that there is a day of salvation is nearer than when we believed. And this is why we need to wake up. Yes. Because it's nearer than when we believed. There is a realization. Uh, turn to uh, Romans chapter 7. We'll look at a couple passages. One in 1 John and one in Romans 7. But oh, um, there is a realization... Coming a finality to our salvation when we leave this life as a child of God. A day of our salvation, saved from our sin. Now I've been forgiven of my sin positionally, I'm justified in all of that, but there is an aspect where we are saved from our sin. Yes, we're saved from the condemnation and the penalty of sin. But we will be finally saved from the propensity to sin. We will be saved from the ability to sin. There is coming a day of ultimate, final, perfect salvation. And Paul longed for this. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, he says, Now think about this is the apostle Paul. He says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that that this is the, I, don't, I don't want to do the evil that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth within me. I find then a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, now, the inward man is something that he received when he was saved. That's the new nature. And he says, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, one that has been with him since the day he was born. Another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, in my body. And then notice in verse 24, O wretched man that I am. If you, I'll just stop there. If you as a child of God do not find yourself at times to be a wretched man. If you are not disgusted with the fact that you, you hate sin, but you keep doing it. And sometimes it's not even the, when we think of gross error and gross sin, but it's just we say stupid things. We lash out in anger at someone. And we hate that we did that. We know that it's not Christ-like. We say a word. Maybe we mutter a word that we shouldn't say as a Christian. I mean, I don't picture Paul. Paul wasn't going out and committing fornication. He wasn't struggling with alcoholism. Or, or he wasn't you know, really disappointed that he couldn't overcome a, some heroin addiction. It, it, but he struggled... With sin, And here's another thing. The more you walk with the Lord, and the more righteous you become, the more you realize how much of a sinner you are. It is the person who isn't walking with the Lord and doesn't spend time in the Word of God that feels like he's okay. I think I'm a pretty good Christian. Well, you obviously haven't spent enough time in the Word. And so Paul, as an apostle, is very close to the Lord. He's walking with the Lord. And he says... His lament is, O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? You see that? There's a salvation there. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? We will be raised again with this body going to be resurrected. But when it's resurrected, it's not this sin-cursed body. It's going to be, we are going to be resurrected. So that's the hope that we have. It's not, so... What a wonderful thing. I can't really wrap my mind around the fact that I need to be delivered from this body. But one of these days I'm going to be resurrected with this body. And so what a blessed thought that is. That's a salvation there. And he finishes by saying, I thank God through Jesus Christ, the Lord. The answer to the question. Who shall deliver? He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, delivery from this body of death, or the body of this death, that happens in that day of salvation. Do you long for the day? Do I long? I have to challenge myself sometimes. Do I long for the day when I will be freed from my corrupt mind And my sinful thoughts. Do you eagerly await the day you will be like Christ? To not just uh, strive to be like him, but to actually be like him. In this life, we strive to be like Christ. Knowing that we cannot fully do so. Not perfectly. We can... We can strive to be like him, and our passage concludes, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the message tonight we're going to consider how more and more and what it is that we can do to be Christ like. But we cannot be perfectly Christ like in this life. First John I'll just read this. First John three two says, Beloved now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. He's saying we have no way of comprehending what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And notice what the consequence of this is. If you truly believe that one of these days you're going to see him as he is, you don't sit back apathetically and say, I know I can't be perfect, but one day I'm going to be. And you know, it just is what it is. No, it says when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this hope if that's your hope every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure the more you look forward to the coming day of christ the more you look forward to heaven the more you are going to strive to be pure isn't that an amazing thing? We don't sit back and just say, well, it's going to be a blessing that we'll be able to be like him one day. No. The more you have a hope. It's one thing to say, that, boy, we can't wait for the second coming. The world's really, it's, it's a mess. And, uh, you know, we just can't wait for the Lord to come back. Really? Sometimes the, the Christians that I hear talk like that, it's like, really? Because the people who are really looking for the Lord to come back are working on, Purifying themselves. They're trying to be more and more putting off the flesh, putting off the flesh, and trying to be more Christ-like. The day of salvation is also this victory over death, as I've mentioned. Death is something we all face physically. But with the resurrection, we will live forever, and there is no second death. When you understand in Revelation, it talks about those who, there's the second resurrection, and there's the second death, For those of us, those are the lost. For those of us who are saved, there's going to be one resurrection. And there's never going to be any more death. And so what a wonderful thought that is. Consider the attitude of a person. When, if you believe that the day of salvation is at hand. And you're recognizing that it is time to wake up. What is your attitude in the morning? When it's time to wake up. He's telling us to wake up. Is your thought, are your thoughts negative when you hear the command from a spiritual sense? Wake up. What's the attitude? The attitude of a person can vary when they see that early time of morning based on what they believe the day will bring. Right? Let's just consider some thoughts from the, from the natural world. Is it just another day of work, your alarm went off, and it's just another day of work? You've been working there for 20, 25 years, and it's just another day of work. Terry, what's your attitude in the morning when it's time to go to work? I know you've been working there a long time. Are you just... You jump out of bed and you're like, man, I can't believe it's another day, man. I can't wait for today. Or is it just, you know, Brother Kilgard, when you were getting close to retiring, is that how you rolled out of bed in the morning? It's just like, man, I can't wait to do this. I'm so happy about today. The Lord's Day. This morning. So we could say that that other is maybe dread. It's like, man, I got to go to work today. But the Lord's Day. This morning. This morning. What was your attitude this morning? Was it one of anticipation? Because we get to go to the Lord's house, we get to see each other, we get to fellowship, we get to worship the Lord. Hopefully when you woke up today, it was a day, it was an attitude of anticipation. Wondering what the Lord's going to do today. Will someone maybe get saved today? You never know what can happen at the house of God. How do we wake up on Sunday mornings? Well, what's your attitude usually when you wake up in the morning and you remember oh yeah we got to got to go to the funeral today friend or a loved one sadness can grip our heart upon our first conscious thought. depending on what the day is going to bring what about the day of a wedding now for some people this can be anticipation and great joy and some people probably wake up on the day of their wedding and Just dread grips their heart. (laughs) I don't know. Panic. (laughs) But there's an attitude that comes with that first waking thought, depending on what the day will bring. If you're going fishing, boating, camping, attending, going to church camp, it's the day of church camp. It's excitement. What about the final day of a stirring week-long revival meeting? And you wake up and you realize, oh yeah, today's the final day of the meetings. It can be reflection on how the week has been so good, but disappointment that it's the final day mixed with thankfulness and so forth. And so what is your attitude? I mention all these things to think about what he is saying here in this passage when he says, oh, and that knowing the time, so you know the time. He's assuming that you know the time. Knowing the time, that now is the high time to awake out of sleep. What's your attitude about that? And then in this passage, we also see that there is an urgency. He says it is high time to awake out of sleep. Think about that. That almost sounds like a it's high time. That's almost like something you would hear in a in a western movie or yeah. something when someone's talking, right? It's high time to it, it is I looked this up and this high time is actually oh, there's a Greek word for this for this high time. And uh um oh, if I can find it here um it's the hour or instant. It's this hour or this instant. So what Paul is saying is it is this instant is when you need to wake up. It's a, There's an urgency to this command for us to, to wake up. This is not the time to spiritually roll over and hit the snooze button. But we need to wake up this instance. What is sobering? Sad maybe. He's writing to the saints in... Rome and he's telling them that they need to wake up I think he even just like in in how he was confessing how he was in in Romans chapter 7 there's times when he needed to realize it's time to wake up because the salvation and you notice there's a colon in that passage there's a colon he says it's high time to wake out of sleep colon for the time of our salvation day of our salvation is nearer than when we believed there's an urgency to it. There is an aspect in which none of us know whether we have tomorrow. Right. The day, If we're saved, the day of our salvation is at hand. And even if it's not tomorrow, it's nearer than yeah. when we believed. Yeah. And so it's time to wake up. But what strikes me is that there's a need to wake up. Aren't we saved? Don't we have spiritual life? Then why is he commanding them to wake up? It's because we all need to kind of have that slap in the face, a cold bucket of water thrown on our face once in a while and make us realize, you have, if you're honest, you have to admit that since you've been saved, there have been periods of time in your life. You were saved. You loved the Lord. You thought about the things of the Lord. And then there were periods of your life where you just went on cruise control. Right. You went on autopilot. Right. You took things for granted. You weren't thankful enough. You fell into sin. There's just this, this aspect to it. And sometimes we need someone to just come in and just, you know, clap their hands over our face or throw that cold bucket of water and say, Hey, it's high time to wake out of sleep yeah. because the day of your salvation yeah. is near. Start serving the Lord. What are you doing? And so um, he says, the night... Go on to verse 12. The night is far hand. So the day of salvation is at hand. He says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. So it's this sense of the day of salvation is nearer than when we believed. And then he says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We'll deal more with the rest of this verse uh, tonight. But... I want us to consider the night is far spent. The night is far spent. Obviously, when the sky is beginning to lighten and the day is at hand, as I mentioned, some might still call that night. And in fact, most people do not get up at the crack of dawn. So if they consider it night still, it would be agreed, though, that the night is far spent. What it is, is it's a picture of We're at the dawn, the time. We're at the dawning here. And, uh, oh, there is a chapter of our life. There's two things that I want to consider. There is a chapter of our life that was lived in darkness. The night is far spent, right? It It was lived in darkness. And he mentions here to cast off the works of darkness. The night is far spent. Cast off the works of darkness. And so, we're not to continue to live in that. It, it is daytime. We're to live in the light. The night is far spent. In light of the context, casting off the works of darkness very clearly, concisely states that we were the workers of darkness. We were. I want to look at a couple passages. Uh, you've Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, and we'll read verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We're all very familiar with that passage, especially verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. But then in verse 3 he says, Among whom we all, he's including himself, we all had our conversation In time past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, notice this, by nature the children of wrath, even as others. This is what we were by nature. And so we lived in darkness, we walked in darkness, we were called, it's called here, uh, the children of disobedience. And we all just walked in the darkness. We all were children of disobedience. It's not that way anymore. But I want, I'll, t- I'll touch on something else about that in a moment. But now consider uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. If you turn over there, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. You know, there's not anybody who's ever truly been saved, who's truly been born again, that hasn't come to grips with the fact that They're children of disobedience. Mm. They're outside of God's um, uh, love. They're they're completely lost, that they're under condemnation. Unfortunately, there's a lot of professing Christians that have never seen themselves as lost. But the reality is, is that we all were by nature the children of wrath. Yes, amen. That's Paul's confession. 1 Corinthians 6.9 says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And then he says, he says to this church, and some were, And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so what a blessing it is to consider that we were all children of disobedience. We did all walk in the the night. But here's what's sobering to me. Is he tells Christians to wake up and put off the works of darkness. If we're already saved and we're no longer walking in the darkness and we're children of light... Then why do we have to be told to wake up and put off the works of darkness? What's sobering is that we still, as the people of God, are told to cast off the works of darkness. How sad, but how true is it, that we're susceptible to works of such a grim nature? Mm, yes. Isn't that a grim picture? He's telling believers to put off works of darkness. We tend to minimize our, I'm putting quotation marks here, we tend to minimize our mistakes, <laughs> our flaws, you know, our shortcomings. But God calls them works of darkness. Yeah. We also know them as sin. But those things that we do have nothing to do with the light, they have nothing to do with the holiness of God. They have nothing to do with the new nature that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 7. They have nothing to do with that. But we still have it, and we're told to put off the works of darkness. I think if we were to think of our sin, if we were to think of those things that we do as failures against God, if we were to actually think of them as he calls them and call them works of darkness... Maybe that would get our attention a little bit more. Would that help us to wake up a little bit? To realize, and I think that's what Paul's trying to do here, is help these people. He's saying these things to help them. That it is high time to awake out of sleep. And it is time to put off the works of darkness. The night is far spent. There's also another aspect. It was our previous life, but the night is far spent. Our life just in general, is spent to a certain degree. Our life is far spent. You cannot get back the past. You can't redo anything from yesterday. He says the day is at hand. Two things are at hand. Today is at hand. You can't do anything about the past. You cannot say for sure about tomorrow. What we have is right in front of us. You can look at this from the big picture and you can also look at it from the immediacy of today. It is high time to wake out of sleep, put off the works of darkness today. Start the day that way. Then there's also we have what's right in front of us. But secondly, concerning our eternal life, the resurrection the second coming that is at hand. Eternal life and eternity, realized, is right around the corner. Yes. And so, putting off the works of darkness, forgetting about the things of the past, and moving forward toward the light, moving forward in hope, moving forward to the day of our salvation that is right at hand. There is a sense in which the night being far spent, it's It's done. It's back there. You can't do anything about it, but we have this hope that is in front of us. And that hope that is in front of us should drive us to put off the works of darkness. As John said in 1 John, that the more we consider that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, we will purify ourselves. And so think about this. How important is it for us to forget about the past? Forget about those days of darkness. Philippians chapter 3. Paul, in this context, is actually speaking about his hope in the resurrection. And after writing about the resurrection in verse 13 of chapter 3 of Philippians, he says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. It's interesting how he says that. This one thing I do. You can't fully understand the resurrection. We can't fully understand what it will be like to be like Christ as He is. But He's like, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high galling of God in Christ Jesus. There is an aspect where a lot of times it's I think it's easier for us, say it's easier for me, to forget about those things that I did in my sinful past before I was saved. And sometimes the things that we do after we're saved, we can hang on to them more, we can feel guilty about them more, because we we're, were saved, we shouldn't have been doing that, we were saved. But listen, sin is sin. And forgetting those pasts, he says... Forget those things which are behind. The night is far spent. The day of our salvation is at hand. Look forward. It's all about looking forward. And so forgetting those things which are behind. I love this picture. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. You leave those things with the Lord. Like we looked at in our devotional uh, uh, Psalm 51 uh, concerning David. And how or was it, I can't remember which one, or Psalm 42, but the one that I did the devotional for Sunday school, I read two passages from Psalms. But after he sinned with Bathsheba and, and all that, and he wrote that Psalm, it was all about restoration and getting right with God and then moving forward and leaving it with the Lord. He prayed and asked the God that he would hide his face from his sins and forget about his past. And then he said, he continues on, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What a joy it is to be able to forget some things. Mm. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. This forget here is to lose out of mind by implication or neglect you can either you just lose them from your mind and you can neglect to remember I'm not going to remember those things they're forgiven they're covered by the blood he's not going to hold me accountable for that I'm moving forward I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God and um, I, I, I look and I reach for the things that are before and uh the devil wants us to wallow in the darkness that we came from and be, feel have that sense of condemnation and the lack of hope. And no, it's all about that's the past and we're moving forward. It's a new day. And so do you think Paul had some works of darkness from his past that he'd rather not dwell on? Yeah. You think he might have had every once in a while being human and having a, a brain that still had just regular old memory? When he was taken out and stoned, I was talking with a brother on the phone last night, and we were talking about how it was that Paul experienced stoning, and um, how, how he came back from being stoned and left for dead. <laughs> and when he was taken out and he was going to be stoned, he knew that he was going to die. And yet God delivered him from that. He knew what was going to happen because he used to execute and watch over people being executed. And he saw the stoning of Stephen. And when he would see other saints be persecuted, or when he would um, experience some of that persecution being beaten with rods and all the description that he experienced, he says that he suffered for the cause of Christ. The thing is, is he used to inflict those same things on other people for the cause of Christ. The only way that you can really cope and deal with that is forgetting those things which are past and pressing on. God has a purpose for my life, and you press on for the mark. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Working on forgetting. I think sometimes we should work on forgetting, it's a process. How do we forget? Leave it with the Lord and reach forth unto the things which are before. The more you're focused on the present, the more you're focused on what the Lord would have me do today, I got enough to worry about living for the Lord and fighting sin today without worrying about the sin from my past life of darkness and the night that's far spent. But looking toward the day of salvation that's at hand, and the more we're focused on that, the less time we will have to think about those things from the past it's i think it's something that we should work on he says this is one thing i do he didn't say i've forgotten all those things that are behind he says forgetting those things which are behind i think it's a continual process It has to be a continual process from a certain standpoint because we continue to fail the Lord and sin. And so we need to continually be forgetting and forgetting and leave it with the Lord and move on. We are to live a life of victory and sense of overcoming in this life. And so, as I close here, the victorious life of a Christian is lived, and we'll look at this tonight, but the victorious life of a Christian is lived by replacing sin with godliness. In almost every single epistle, there is uh, words of instruction to put off this, flee this, put on this, add to this, the helmet of salvation. This. There's always, it's not just, a, Christianity is just not, not just a religion of all these things you can't do. No, it's don't do this. But here's what you can do. And in doing this, you do these things not to earn your salvation, but to please the Lord and be more like Him in this life. And so the more we realize, as this passage says here in Romans, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have been on cruise control. Maybe you haven't been serving the Lord Maybe you've been serving the Lord, but you've still been dabbling in sin willingly. Now is the time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It's time to wake up and live for God. I was talking, that same friend that I was talking to last night, we were talking about how um, uh, some people that we know and uh, who have lived for the Lord and gone on to be with the Lord, their attitude when it came time to die. And sometimes it, it varies greatly among Christians when that Really, it's a dawn. We, we think of it as the end, but for the saint of God, it is the day of salvation's at hand. It's like that light is beginning to crack. It's shining in the sky and you can see the day of salvation is at hand. And there are some people of saints of God, regardless of their health, they don't go into mourning and wallowing and, and dwelling on their past life and wishing they were young again and I wish I could do it all over again and all those things. No, forgetting those things that are past... It's a day of dawn. It, the darkness is over. And it's like the day of salvation is at hand. And they, and they look forward with anticipation. But unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians that they begin to feel like, I'm entering that, day, that, that time. And they don't see it as a dawn. They see darkness coming. They actually see the end of their life coming. And, um, and we're not to be that way. That's how the lost right. is. But Christians aren't supposed to be right. that way. I've known of people who were... oh. Um, had, oh, oh, Brother Berg knows uh, oh, very well, uh, Ken Johnson. Mm-hmm. Oh, he got uh, dementia, and then it got, it got worse and worse. And there was one time when he had gone up back to Texas, and he's, when it began to show itself, he's driving back with his wife. They're out in the middle of nowhere, driving down the interstate. And he just looks over at her and says, Who are you? Get out of my car. That was the first sign that that's pretty, that's pretty rough. And I'm sure there were signs before that. But here's the thing. He was pastoring at the time. And then, oh, time came, he couldn't pastor. Then the time came, he ended up having to be put in a care home. But he always wanted to be with God's people. Yes. He wanted to be able to share the gospel. And even when he was in the nursing home and he didn't even know what his name was, my dad went there and saw him and... Uh, Oh, he had to remind dad who who dad was. Yes, they served together for years. And he's reminding him how it is, you know. And But when he would be called on, some of the nurses there said they would ask him to pray. And dad said, when he prayed, and when you want to talk about the things of the Lord, he could talk about the things of the Lord. He wanted to be around God's people. And, he, and when he prayed, it was as though there was nothing wrong. It's an amazing thing how that can be. And people who truly love the lord when they reach this time where the day of it's supposed to be the day of salvation is at hand and it's supposed to be this anticipation you know the life of a christian it's not just how you live your life until things get rough it's not just how you live your life it's also how you die that is a testimony it's not just that you went to work and you told people about christ But how we even go on to that next Mm. life, because it's all life, but how we transition from this life into that life to never die again, how we do that is a testimony. And it should be a positive one about how we have truly been delivered from darkness and translated into a kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. Let's go ahead and uh, close with an invitation. Uh, Brother Berg, if you could come up and lead us in song number 137. Let's go ahead and stand. 137, Near the Cross.